0: I do pray, God, that as we get into Your Word as an expression of worship, that You would give us tender hearts to receive what You are speaking to us individually. Lord, You alone know the spirits of men. You know what we need to hear and how we can respond. So, Lord, I just ask for You to do what only You can do. God, I'm going to share words, but would You apply it? Holy Spirit, would You... Uh, Release the encouragement necessary, the conviction necessary, the comfort necessary, like only you can. Open your word to us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm going to be in a couple different places of the Bible tonight, so open up that Bible or the Bible app. Get that thing going here. I'm calling this, I'm titling this message, The Perseverance of Job. The perseverance of Job. We're going to start in Romans five, three to four, and then we're going to flip to James five eleven. And then we're going to camp out in the book of Job, and I'm going to try to do this in a half hour. So hang in there. Normally I would go for, you know, three, four hours. I'm going to make it No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to make it about a half hour tonight. (laughs) About a half hour. You say Romans what? Romans five, three, and four. And then we're going to go quickly from there to James 5.11. So Paul says to the Romans, he says, we glory in tribulation. Think about that. (laughs) We glory when there's tribulation touching our life. Sounds nothing like today. We glory in tribulations knowing this is his theological conviction that causes him to rejoice when tribulation touches his life. He says, we know that when tribulation touches our life, that it produces this thing called perseverance. And then when perseverance gets in our heart, we get character. Now today, much preaching in the land is you don't go through tribulation. So we don't know how to persevere and we have shallow character. Paul says, here's the real deal. This is Bible. He says, you're going to go through tribulation. We've learned to boast in it. We've learned to rejoice in it. We've learned to talk big about tribulation because we know God's doing something deep when, when we enter into those seasons. He goes, it, it produces in us this ability to endure. Here's the thing, and I'm going to touch on this later. Life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. If it's not hard for you yet, just buckle up and wait, because it will get there. <laughs> we go through hard things in life. Not our whole life. I mean, it, it you know it gets intense and there's an easing off, and then it gets intense and there's an easing off. But it's real. I mean, life is difficult. And following Jesus, the Bible says it is difficult. It's, it's a narrow way. And it involves a lot of intense decisions. Paul says, though, but when we go through that... We learn to endure. We learn to persevere because we're going to need it to make it to the end in love with Jesus. Man, I just think of how earnestly the Holy Spirit's trying to develop the character of Christ in our life and make us like Jesus. And Paul lays out this is how he's going to do it. He's going to take us through difficulty. We're going to learn to push through it in the grace of God and then we're deeper. And when we have more of the character of Christ in our heart, when we're more humble and more loving and more forgiving and all of these things like Jesus is, the next time we have to press through, we've got the character for it. And so we'll go through these seasons a number of times in our life. So if you're going through something hard, painful, it's been, I mean, 2020 has been tribulation, in case, in case you haven't noticed. And we go through these things so that the next time it comes around, we're more in love with Jesus and we can go through it. And I'm going to flip over here real quick to James because James picks up on this theme of perseverance. It's all over the Scriptures. This idea of not quitting, enduring to the end, persevering, it's important stuff. James says this in verse 5.11. He says, "...we count them blessed who endure." Then he says to his uh, audience, he says, you've heard of the perseverance of Job. So James, his Jewish audience knew about Job. I mean, they didn't have the Bible we have, but they, they knew full well of who this Job character was. And James says, you guys know about how Job persevered, and you've seen the end intended by the Lord. And I'm going to describe the story of Job a little bit if you haven't heard it yet. James says, you've heard about Job. You know the end that the Lord intended, that the Lord is what? Very compassionate and merciful. This is such a significant statement. I love it, first of all, when the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. Of course, we get the New Testament from the Old, so don't throw either one out. Don't pick one. They're very integrated. The New Testament authors are taking Old Testament Scriptures, the Law, the Prophets, Psalms, and all of that, and they're interpreting it under the inspiration of the Spirit, and they're making conclusions that are biblical. James says, Job persevered. We know what God intended to do through it because we... We have the story and we're able to pray over it and discern God's intentions because we've seen the end of the story. And and the conclusion of the matter that James makes is we see a compassionate, merciful God that directed Job's life. Here's the thing, though. In the 40-some chapters, I believe it's 40 if we flip over to Job because we're going to camp out there the, the rest of the night here. If we go to the the 42 chapters of Job is is what there is in total, for about 40 chapters, he doesn't look very compassionate or merciful. you got to get all the way to the end of the story and then you go, wow, Job hung in there, so now we have a picture of God that is incredible. And the question I'm going to ask you tonight and and hopefully that will resonate with you is what if Job quit in like chapter 37? <laughs> what if Job's just like, I'm done. Give me the poison, hun. <laughs> ar, ar, it's over. I mean, we're going to go through it in brief here, but if Job quits in like chapter 12, you know, his friends are sharing cra- crazy stuff. If he quits in ver- chapter 12 or 15 or 32 or 37, we don't have this picture of God that God intended for us to have. Do you know what I'm saying? But because Job persevered and never quit, no matter the circumstances, we see how blessed he ended up and he gave ultimate glory to God for his life. If we see Job give up in chapter 37... James writes, man, you've heard about Job. What a tragedy. (laughs) That would have been James 5.11. You've heard about Job. No, don't do that. But instead, James says, you've heard about Job. God is very compassionate and merciful. Here's what I want to ask you right from the beginning. What are people going to say about your life at the end? Are you going to press through no matter what comes your way and hold fast to God, worship when it's hard, pray for your friends when they're unfriendly, and keep going and repent when you don't even know you're wrong? Like God, I don't know what's wrong. Are you going to just keep going and surrender deeper and deeper and more humble and more humble so that at the end God can so bless you that everyone knows God's merciful and compassionate? We go through seasons that are hard, but if we hang in there over the course of life, there's this thing that happens. When you just refuse to quit on God, there's this marked blessing that comes with it. And everyone around you knows God really loves that person. It's just that obvious. I don't know what season you're in tonight. I'm not going to try to guess. But the Holy Spirit knows and you know. Whether it's good right now or it's bad right now, whether it's a triumphant season or a tribulation season, you just don't quit. I saw a brother on Twitter tweet out, you know, essentially, if you don't persevere, what then? (laughs) What happens then? You never find out where it was going. You never find out how God was going to be merciful and compassionate to you. There's just so much. People don't see the blessing. of. There's just so much that happens. What's interesting about life, gang, is that we only get one. You get one shot. Have you ever thought about this? I've been thinking about this this week. It's like we don't get 10 trial runs and then like the one that matters, we get to do that one and then the Lord, I'll judge you based on that good one, you know. We don't get like four trials and then we'll take, you know, okay, we'll take the second one, that was the best one, we'll judge your life based on that. Every human being in history and alive today gets one shot. And I kind of laugh because the world is full of all these gurus and self proclaimed experts and I I see like the whole social media sphere is full of these experts and I'm like, pretty sure you've only lived once just like me. (laughs) You know, there's smart people out there, but it's, brother, I don't think you've lived a hundred times to really know everything, you know. We've all kind of got one life, we're all learning and then it's over and it's eternally significant. Have you ever thought about this? Like, it's really intense. We get one shot, then we're dead, and forever that, those decisions mattered for eternity. Like, man, God, this is serious. Help us to take this life serious. And so I can see, you know, being, you know, uh, perseverance, not that big of a deal. Yeah, if we get 10 lives. But if you get one, let's do it right. Like, let's be really sold out to God. Let's cling to our faith. Let's serve the Lord. Let's do everything we know to do. Because he's worthy. Now other than other than other than talking about life, I mean, I've said before it's hard. God calls us to do hard things. That are hard. Hard seasons come, loss comes, sickness, financial issues, people walk out on you hard things happen we get one life lord i'm in this hard thing and no money and friends are weird and all this stuff and it's like god's saying persevere just keep going you you there is an end intended for your life you just don't give up on it and so maybe that's the better title of the message is just don't give up but we're going to call it The Perseverance of Job. So this is why we're going to look at Job tonight, for these reasons. It's a remarkable book, and we could take many angles. We could study through all kinds of different angles from the book of Job. By the way, it's not particularly a book on how to get a job. It's the, it's the book of Job. Some people think, ah, oh, where do I go to get a job? Oh, there's a book on how to get it. No. <laughs> But I tell you, of all the things we could learn, the lesson of not quitting is just... It's right there through the 42 chapters of Job. Let me talk about three things that Job had to persevere through and how he persevered and how we need to as well. There's probably a bunch more, but I'm going to just highlight three Three very important topics that Job experienced. But before I talk, I tackle those three, let me just say this. First, probably the most important thing Job did in his walk with God is before this season of intense tragedy and tribulation hit his life, before all of it, he went deep in God. He walked with God. He was blameless. He was God-fearing. He taught his children how to walk with God. I mean, this man was the real deal. Now, I don't know what kind of Scripture he was exposed to. I don't know quite how he did it compared to us. But we do know this. He walked with God. As much as was revealed to him. Because Job is the oldest book of the Bible, if you didn't know that. Job is, is situated in the middle of the Bible, but it predates much of the Bible much of the biblical narrative not before Genesis I mean not before the world's made but job lived m- long before much of the Old Testament it just happens to be put in approximately the middle of our Bible that's Bible trivia you can uh, impress someone with at a party sometime did you know that job's actually the only person Google it look up more on it I don't have too much information on it but it's it's so job you know he didn't have like you know all the Bible, like, you know, the prophets were exposed to more uh, scriptural, prophetic scripture than, you know, Job was. So he's going off of, you know, he's walking with the Lord based as as much as he knows how to. But he has remarkable theology. I mean, it's just stunning. And so he goes deep in God, and we know he has remarkable theology by some of the things he says. First of all, in Job one twenty one. He says this. This is interesting. Tragedy begins to touch his life. And he says the famous quote that we've made into a song. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that Michael W. Smith song, Job actually wrote that. Or whoever, whoever, I forget who made it popular, but... Job had this theological understanding, God blesses us and He takes away the blessing for reasons many times unknown to us. Well, I thought only the devil did stuff like that. No, the Lord is good enough to do that too. And I'll, I'm planning on teaching a, a, at least one sermon on spiritual warfare and kind of that what does God do versus the devil because he can't tackle that in one night. But it's really important to understand that God is vastly more powerful than the devil. And whenever the devil steps into a situation like we see in Job, God limits it based on his purposes. So the devil does attack us, but it's never a surprise to God. God actually has assigned a limit so that that attack actually fulfills his purpose. That's spiritual warfare 101. There's never a moment where Satan attacks your life and God's like, oh, angels, I totally forgot about that guy over there. Michael, go quickly and save that guy because the devil surprised me. It never, ever happens. The reason why Job 1 and 2 is critical to understand and Job understood it somehow by revelation is we see God and Satan actually in a conversation. And Satan says, I want to do this And it kind of looks like at first reading they're on the same team, which obviously isn't correct. What's happening here is God is saying, Satan, you have no idea what I'm doing in this guy's life. I'm actually going to allow you to touch his life because I've got this big plan you know nothing about. It's going to fulfill my plan, actually. So I'm going to allow a season where it's even looking like you're winning but I'm actually setting him up to bless him double. Whether you call it Satan or God, and again, there's semantics that I would be careful with there, but all you have to do is know this, God really is control over your life, ultimately. Yes, demons are real. Yes, Satan will try to attack, and he will. We renounce Satan, we rebuke him, we do all the things in the New Testament... But we never get to a point where it's like, oh my goodness, things are out of control. No, the Lord is so in control of your life. I like to say it like this. He's in control, but He's not controlling. He gives you free will. And even though He's in control, and you have free will, and the devil is real, and sin is real, and angels are real, and all these things are real, His purposes come to fruition every time. I mean, the man's a genius. The man is a genius. Again, I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I can say this for sure. The Lord has an intended end and He's working toward that. And some people have this really confused idea of Satan that he can like sneak in and steal your destiny and all these things. Oh, no, if you obey with sincerity, I'm telling you, God is going to write a story that's marvelous. Let's move on from that. So anyway... He goes deep in the Word. He goes deep in whatever revelation he had exposed to, or he was exposed to. And so, first lesson before the three lessons is be a man or woman of the Word. Take time every day. Take time regularly just to get in the Word. And, and you know, if it's half a chapter, just digest it. Uh, try to understand it. I mean, I spent probably ten years reading the Bible and I'm, I had no idea what It says. But like year 11, 12, 13, eventually it's like, oh, I noticed there's a connection there. And I, there's one there. And just over the years, they just become these life-defining connections. Be a man or woman of the Word. Be a man or woman of the Spirit as well. Don't pick between those two. You know, some people are like, I'm in the Word. The other guy, I'm in the Spirit. No, do both because Jesus did both. Jesus is our example and He was profoundly deep in Scripture and anointed of the Spirit. He didn't pick. We don't have to pick. A lot of people will tell you you have to pick, but you don't have to pick. They're they're both firmly rooted in Scripture. Of course, Scripture is rooted in Scripture. So is the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus taught His disciples, one day I'm going to leave and I'm going to send you who? The Helper, the Holy Spirit. In fact, what He says about the Spirit, He says the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth. And so some people throw out the Spirit. You can't throw out the Spirit and be deep in truth though. And so you have to have the Word and the Spirit. I promised three things that Job had to persevere through. Number one, the first real thing that Job has to go through is this sudden tragedy and loss. Everything's blessed. He's so rich. He's got a huge family. He's got what the Bible describes as a hedge of protection around his life. Satan even accuses God and says, well, of course he's... He loves you because you put a whole hedge around everything He has. He's untouchable. And God says, okay, we'll we'll remove that for a season and see what He does then. What I love about God is like, He's like baiting Satan. I dare you to attack this man because he's only going to go deeper. I just love the audacity that God has. Oh, you want to take away the hedge? You think He's going to blaspheme me? Okay, touch that hedge. Satan, I'll give you permission to do that. And every step along the way, Job just goes deeper and deeper in his obedience. So intense. So cool. So Job goes through this. He loses his kids. This is an ultimate tragedy. He loses his kids. His health is gone. He describes it as painful boils that consume his body. His... Animals get killed. His property gets destroyed. All in like a chapter and a half, all this just, boom, hits his life. In uh, chapter 2, I think it's funny, his wife says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Thanks, honey. Appreciate that perspective. But I've actually thought about that verse. I mean, can you imagine a woman with all these kids and they all die suddenly? That's really hard. So don't be too judgmental of Job's wife. I mean, I think the Lord, there was a special mercy God had for her. But when when Mama loses her kids in one day, all of them, I mean, that's a deep and profound tragedy. So Job goes through all this and it just hits him in like one day. And yet, what's he doing? He says, I guess we're in this season where the Lord is just going to take everything he he gave me, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to worship. He says, I bless the name of the Lord. He says to his wife, he basically says in the DKV, the, the Derek Kisner version, Honey, shall we accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? Honey, we are so blessed. Our whole life has been wealth and increase and everything imaginable we ever dreamed of. Shall we not accept a season of tribulation? Can't he do that? Can't he bless us with that? Job knew something was going on in, in, in God's heart, but it's hard to discern it when it's that intense. It really is difficult. But Job made a decision to worship. He reasoned with his spouse, and he moved forward past chapter 2 into the rest of the story as best as he knew how. So when you get into that place where you're like, man, I've lost my job or I've lost my finances or my health is not what it used to be, wherever you're at on the tragedy spectrum or wherever you end up in the next season, I want to encourage you to worship your way right through it. Pull out that guitar, get on the keys, maybe come home after work or do it in the... You know, force your heart to keep going by singing worshiping, praying, getting into that place of devotion, don't ever quit. You never know what God has intended in the end. Let's go to number two quickly because I'm, I'm running out of time very quickly. It's one thing when tragedy and loss touches you. It's another thing when your friends show up with their opinions. Can someone say Amen friends you thought were really friendly, and all of a sudden they've got deep and intense opinionated theological doctrinal statements about this is where you went wrong. I imagine Job, he's head to toe in boils, his kids are dead, Everything's destroyed. Animals are slaughtered by a a, a warring tribal entity that just came and destroyed everything. He's laying on his bed. His friends show up. They are in total silence for a week. They just stare at the guy and they don't speak for one week, it says. I mean, I'm not making this up. Job 2.13, it says, "...they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. They saw his grief was very great." I love friends that show up and just sit there and, oh man, they were doing so good for a week. And then we get to... Job begins to lament, oh, the day I was born was a terrible day. You know, he begins to lament his birth and all of these things and he just pours out his heart. Let me say this, there's no way... There's no way to really connect with this story until you've genuinely suffered. And when we're young, we don't get it because we're just kind of healthy. But the first time a real health tragedy touches your life or you lose someone you dearly love or something really hits you, the whole Bible opens up. You're like, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, my gosh. That's what they went through. Ah. Oh. It makes sense as you get older. These guys show up, they're so blown away at how devastated Job is, they don't speak for a week and then after hearing him lament and suffer and groan, they decide they have an opinion. <laughs> I have seen this for 20 years, and it is just breaks my heart every time. Someone goes through the worst season of their life, and here comes the theology police to tell them why they shouldn't be suffering and why they disobeyed God. And it just crushes people. And you kind of were like, I'm glad I'm not God, because if I was, I would strike them with lightning, and they would cease to exist. I've seen this so many times... People have no self control. It's like, bro, that's don't don't go. You know, so anyway, Eliphaz and you know all these, these friends of Job. They didn't have the Book of Job to check themselves, so they're going to step up and offer their opinion. So we get you know Eliphaz and in four verse uh, chapter four verse two, he says, uh, "If one attempts a word with you, will you become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking?" So Eliphaz says, i got to talk now. And he gives his spiel. And then we have Bildad in chapter 8, verse 2. I'm going quickly through Scripture. I'm not going to go through the whole book of Job. In chapter 8, verse 2, How long will you speak these things, Job, and the words of your mouth be like a strong wind? Does God subvert judgment or does the Almighty pervert justice? In other words, you deserve this, Job. God's just. You did something wrong. He's judging you. We get to Zophar in chapter 11, verse 1. Zophar, and by the way, it keeps getting more intense the whole way through the book. And they go rounds with them. Each one of them speaks many times. Zophar, the Naamathite ne- the says, "...should not the multitude of words be answered, Job? And should a man full of talk be vindicated?" Should your empty talk make men hold their peace? And when you mock, should no one rebuke you? Oof. There's a few verses that get so intense. It's it's so accusatory and demonic. It's just like, wow, how did they miss it that bad? Here's the thing. As misguided and accusing as Job's friends were, what did Job do? even in severe pain and loss, he was committed to the friendship. Never once did he say, leave. Never once did he say, get out of my face. He just listened. As difficult as it was, he stayed in the relationship. That's the message here. He listened. He did not give up on them. He was available to hear their perspective even though... He was the one going through the trial. What a remarkable man. Laying there prostrate, body full of boils, getting rebuked by his close friends, and he still takes it. What a man. I mean, can can you imagine? On your deathbed, cancer riddling your body. Friends show up at the hospital to tell you, you must have missed God, brother, because God wouldn't have given a kid uh, cancer to you. Let me teach you the Bible. This is what's happening. For 40 chapters. Job just takes it. Oh my goodness. Here's the thing. Praise God for friends. (laughs) We all miss it sometimes, gang. Stay committed to the friendship. Pray for your friends, especially when your friends are unfriendly. Amen? Amen? Friends get unfriendly sometimes. But we got to persevere even in that intense situation. Even when it's hard and they're saying crazy stuff. We all go through this in life. If you haven't gone through it, just wait. It will shock you. Lifelong best friend will have some crazy doctrinal point. And what? Let me just save you from... Uh, when someone goes through something really intense, don't, don't teach them the Bible in that moment. <laughs> just love them be available, comfort them, pray for them. Ten years later, work out the theology on it, but not in this situation. By the way, these guys got a big rebuke coming. (laughs) I mean, it's like it's building, and then God shows them. He's like, by the way, you guys know nothing what you're talking about. Ooh, I love that part of the story. Anyway. So he's in tragedy and loss. His friends get misguided. And then the toughest thing of all, number three, what did Job have to persevere through? The greatest part of the story. Job chapter 38. Excuse me. After all this happens, in like 40 chapters of these guys talking, some of it really good theology, some of it really off base. That's a message for another time. Then we have... God, what's God think of all this? Oh, I just love this chapter. One of the best chapters, and or one of the best, probably three or four chapters in the entire Bible. Then it says, "Then the Lord answered." Ooh, you just feel the weight of that when you're reading it. It's like you put up with these guys for so long. You feel like you're in the situation. Then the Lord answers. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Let's pause right there, very quickly. Everybody wants to hear from God. A lot of times when God speaks, there's a whirlwind. There's a storm, and it's hard. We all want to go, oh, God, talk to me. Tell me what my life is for. What's your will? The Lord says, if you want to know, I'll take you through a big storm because you're going to be so broke down, so needy, so, and then you'll hear it. Not every time, but a lot of times. This is what happened with Job. There was this literal whirlwind that God spoke out of, but it speaks of a bigger reality. Guys, when God showed up on the mountain with Moses, that freaked people out. When God shows up, it's weighty. God shows up, there's things are swirling and storming and boom, the voice of God comes out of this whirlwind. If you want to hear from God, sometimes it comes with a little bit of stormy weather. Here's the thing, if you're going through the craziest season of your life right now, it might be that He wants to speak something to you that will change your life. Just ask Him. But what's God say after all this? says it right to Job. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He literally says this to Job. Prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer. <laughs> God, that's not very nice. I got boils. My friends aren't nice, and you want to tell me to be a man? Gee, thanks. I mean, how intense is this? So we've got to persevere through the tragedy and the loss and the f- weird relationship dynamics, but the, th- th- the big one is when we don't know what we did wrong. And all of a sudden, it's like everything that God's saying to us is like one big corrective questioning session. Ugh. And this happens circumstantially where it feels like everything I try, it's all against me. Every leader, every situation, everything, it's... Uh, and. All I ever hear is, you know, it can happen. There's this corrective questioning. Here's what I would liken it to in the New Testament. Remember the lady who went to Jesus and she's like, Lord, i got this demon-possessed kid. And Jesus says, oh, I'm not called to you people. Remember that story? I'm not called to people like you. It's like, ooh, she had a decision right there to be mega offended or to press in. And she goes, yeah, but even the... Even the uh, you know even the she says the little statement even the little dogs under the table eat the pieces of bread and uh, and then Jesus does another like pretty intense statement and then she just keeps pressing into him and then he just finally says your faith is so great yeah you're you're good your (laughs) your child's fine sometimes. God comes at us with like a question that reverberates in us and challenges us. Ultimately, He's trying to lead us into a place where we press in and we press through all that junk, whatever it is, till we get to the other side of He just blesses our life. Here's the thing. If we're super easily offended, then we go through these situations where God's challenging us and the correction of the Lord's over our life and things like that, and we just quit too easy. We don't have the character of of like when we press through. When we press through all that, we get the character. God's correction, which led to an eventual justification of his life. Here's what God does God says, Job, here's the thing I'm God. (laughs) It is the craziest. I'm going to tell you about Leviathan for a while, I'm going to tell you about how I made stars. He, ultimately he's like, Job, here's the thing. I am so big. I make planets without my hands. This is what he's saying. I'm so huge. I make, see the, you know, the biggest animals you can think of, I easily make those things. And it begins to dawn on Job. You've got to read these chapters. God reveals himself and it just begins to touch Job in a deep way. It's like, yeah, you're, I forgot. You're God. I'm man. Oh, I repent. <laughs> you're right. I'm not. It's that simple. You can do whatever you want with my life. It's a really, really significant passage of Scripture. God says His thing. He says, you answer me. And Job says, I, I, behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. I tried to speak... I'm not going to answer. I tried to speak again. I will proceed no further. than God does another round. And then Job's, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear. Now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. He's not talking about self-hatred. He's talking about, I've finally seen you more clearly. Clearer than ever before. I'm reminded, you're God, I'm man. You're the potter. I'm the clay. You give life. I'm just little ashes. I repent. No matter, no. I don't know fully what's going on here, but you win. And the Lord says, I like that. That's what happens. Here's the thing. You and me cannot figure this man out. We've got a l- few pages that we can live a godly life with, but we're talking about God. Your heavenly Father speaks and universes pop into existence. Jesus, the Creator, He says, let there be light. Pfft, never ending. Oh, water. Pfft. Trees, fish. I mean, he, He's at a level we just can't. And sometimes we think, God, I prayed twice and you didn't do it. Uh. And, and I, I went through all this tragedy. And he, it's like He needs to remind us Sometimes. I so love you, but I am really big, and you are so little. I love you, and I want to bless you, but you have to remember. There's some things I got to work into your life. I need to pull back some of the little bit of the blessing. Sometimes I need a little bit of tribulation to touch you to remind you it's not all about you. It's not about all about being rich. It's God is in heaven. He's so big, and we're little, and we need Him desperately. Does that make sense? I'm trying to wrap up here. Let's recap this very briefly. Worship, no matter what you're going through. never walk away from your faith. no matter how hard it gets, no matter how angry you are at God. no matter what, just worship. Here's the thing. We don't know why so many times. And we won't know why till we get to heaven on many, many things. We won't get every question answered. That's part of the journey gang. It's hard. But I'm telling you, as soon as you step through those pearly gates, so to speak, you're going to have a loving Father waiting for you to wipe tears out of your eyes. And every question will be answered at that point. Temporarily no. Eternally yes. No matter what, Keep worshiping. Number two, don't give up on your friends, even when they're unfriendly. Pray for them. Why do I say that? Because here's the thing. Everything's switched. Job humbles himself. You're God. I repent. And then it says, God says, Job, if you pray with your friends, you'll be good. So He says, My servant Job shall pray for you. I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. That's what He said to Job's friends. And then it says, The Lord restored... Job's losses when he prayed for his friends we, we go through hard things in life and then our friends betray us we go through these weird dynamics I thought you were my friend and I was suffering and you not only didn't help me you hurt me more God says you need to pray for them I'm telling you he, there is a level of freedom that will come to you your greatest betrayers if you'll just pray sincerely for them you'll be free Forgive him, pray for him, freedom. That's when the devil portion begins to touch Job's life. Then all of his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who'd been his acquaintances before, there's a lot of humor here, come to him and they eat food with him. They console him. Where were you when I was suffering? You know, they console him after, and they comfort him over all the adversity the Lord brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a ring of gold. Here's the thing, when the blessing of the Lord's on your life, it's like everybody, everyone wants to be with you again. When you're going through one of these Job seasons, no one's there. It's, it's like, oh, Job's rich and happy again. Let's go hang out with Job. Where were you when I needed you most? But we're through that. See, Job had worked through all of it. He, would, he just gave it to the Lord. He, I don't want anything in my heart against them or you, and he did that. And it says that he was blessed with twice as much. I mean, look at this list here. I mean, I don't know how it translates to modern currency, but man, the man had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, 7 sons, 3 daughters. The list goes on. He's just blessed. Number three, allow God to develop humility and character in you, allow Him to take you through the hard stuff so you. You learn perseverance, because you're going to need it in the years to come. You will need it. Let's close right there. Let me pray. Father, I've gone long tonight, but I just simply pray, of the things that I've shared, I'm asking that you would apply it to our hearts. I pray, Father, that we would be a people who learn to persevere through the difficult seasons of life. Lord, I think of this year has been difficult for so many on so many different levels. Help us to be a persevering people and remind us, even when it's hardest, that you have an end that is intended for us to bless our life so that everyone around us knows God is merciful, God is compassionate, God is very great. And we thank you for all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll end right there tonight. Thank you. and. Give someone a fist bump, a hug, social distance if, if you want to. Um, but thank you for coming tonight. We'll do it again next week. <laughs> Bless you guys.